every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello, and welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today, it is our seventh installment of Uncuttable Budget Items. It's like Fast and Furious 7. We're just starting to name the number at the end, Uncuttable 7. As always, we asked CMOs and industry leaders about their top three uncuttable budget items like you hear on every episode. And then we condensed those into a single supercut episode. We started doing this series back in December 2020, and it's awesome. People love it. So if you missed parts one through six, you can go back into the archives wherever you're listening to these and and go find them. We do them about once every 10 or 12 episodes, somewhere in there, and then put it all together in one place. So we find this helpful if you are like getting towards the end of a quarter or trying to plan out what you're going to spend money on next quarter to go back and just hear how other people are spending money and scan those show notes and think about that stuff makes it a little bit easier. As always, if you're enjoying the show, leave a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. And before we get into today's episode, let's hear a brief word from our sponsor. Demand Gen Visionaries is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified is the pipeline generation platform for revenue teams that use Salesforce. You can intelligently grow your pipeline by understanding the signals of buying intent and having real-time conversations right on your website. You can learn more at qualified.com. Oh, and before we get into it, if this mini-series makes an impact on you in any ways, or if you just have questions or feedback or thoughts for us, you can always email us team at caspianstudios.com. You can shoot me a note. It's ian at caspianstudios.com. Shoot me a note on Twitter, at Ian Faison, or LinkedIn, at Ian Faison, and we'll get back to you. We'd love to get feedback on the show. We'd love to have guest recommendations. If you want to recommend yourself or your CMO, feel free to do that. And we'd love to learn how you're spending your budget in 2022. Feel free to reach out anytime. And of course, as always, thanks to our friends at Qualified for presenting the show They're the best partner you could possibly have. We could not do this without them. And it's been amazing making the show with their team. To learn more, go to qualified.com. If you don't have qualified, I don't know why you don't at this point. If you have Salesforce, you need to have qualified. They go together like spaghetti and meatballs. So fill your pipeline with qualified. Go to qualified.com. And thank you, finally, of course, to you, the listener, Without you all, obviously, we could do none of this, and we really appreciate the thousands and thousands of people who listen to this show. We've blown by 100,000 listeners, and it's been a really amazing journey for this show. So, all right, let's get to it. CMOs, marketing leaders, Uncuttable 7, starring Vin Diesel and The Rock, except not them, just mostly the CMOs. What are your three channels or tactics that are uncuttable budget items. Suzanne Conkle, CMO of Deloitte. Yeah. So it's a great question. I guess I look at it differently. So I would say that if you're a modern CMO, 
that you can't actually think about cutting channels. You should always be thinking about percentage and priorities of those channels. So I do believe that all the channels exist for a reason. And then it's really about using thinking through the lens of your business strategy, which are the channels that you should be investing in at what levels. And what I've also said to our teams is that that should be constantly evolving and should change based on where we're at with the offering maturity and things like that. So COVID, we saw this in spades, right? You think many of us were long in sort of physical events. We then spent and did heroic things to immediately switch to virtual events overnight, only to then see that six to eight months later, we needed to switch to hybrid and really sort of tease apart what belonged in person and what was better in a mid-tier and what was better in a big event and all that sort of thing. So I do try to think about it less as sort of what am I doing that I would cut, but more sort of what does the portfolio look like and where do I want it? Randy Frisch. Chief Evangelist for Content Experience at Uberflip. All right. This is a tough one. I was thinking about this one a lot and I'm going to unpack them. So first off, I think it's important to relate to people in a way that they understand. One of the things that we did a number of years ago was we dropped some significant coin on a series of videos to explain what we did. And we all talk about that explainer video and should it be animated or should it be this, that. We decided to go completely the other direction. We talked to a whole bunch of amazing B2B agencies and we ended up choosing a B2C agency to help us with this set of videos. And I encourage people to go check check out uh, any of them. If you go to our homepage, doreflip.com, in that hero area, there's a, there's a video you can watch. We kind of played up the confusion of Uberflip and what we do. And we did this video that the context of it was explain it like I'm five, which is a, if you're a fan of The Office, it was an office episode where they had to explain things like they were five years old. And it, it's really fun, really clever. And I encourage you to have fun with your marketing and, and do something that is going to simplify what you do in a way that people can relate to and in a way that is memorable to them at the end of the day. So that's that's one piece not only do we have that main video, but you, you may find the other three that we did. One uh, was com- comparing an element of what we do to a father packing lunches for his three different kids and the uniqueness. Another one was comparing how to accelerate the buyer journey the way that happens on The Bachelor. And the last was looking at audience intelligence, which is a part of our platform, and doing so like you were the characters in Moneyball. We just had fun with things that people could relate to that weren't necessarily marketing, but they were easy for us to understand more complex offerings. All right, let's get to my second uh, big campaign. I, I, you know, as much as the first one is maybe maybe more top of funnel or to bring other people in the organization in, I think my second example is making sure, as we've talked about today, that we can put the right content in front of people, not just through marketing, but also arming our sales team to do so. There are so many emails that our sales reps send. As much as we think about that nurture cadence that we send through our marketing automation, salespeople are sending like hundreds of emails and so much of it is serving the right content. And there's certain things I think sales reps kind of do poorly and it's not their fault. So I'm being careful about saying they do it poorly. It's just because they don't have the tools and they don't have the ability to package properly. So we've all gotten emails from sales reps with like six hyperlinks. It's like, which one do you want me to click? 
which one of these attachments do you want me to open first? Totally. And do you expect me to come back to that second link and not be distracted by the seven other emails that came in as I was reading your first? Like, it just doesn't work that way. So what we do is our, our team actually leverages our own t- technology naturally for this. It's a, a product we have called Sales Assist, and it lives inside of the email client, whether in our case, we use a combination of Gmail and Sales Loft to do Uberflip to send out our, our nurture emails from our PDRs and our EEs. But they're able to actually go and grab those 10 assets that we talked about that are going to be most suited. They're able to drop the logo. Their face shows up on the page that gets built. And the customer then has this individual experience built for them that shows that degree of trust that's been built. So the way we do that is such a a great way to kick it off when, as we know, more and more people want to do research on their own. They don't want to necessarily jump on a demo right away. They want to understand. So we're able to package. So that's that's my second one that I think is is really deeper down the funnel. And it's more about alignment between our marketing team and our sales team. One more. I'm going to make this one selfish and very much in line with what we're doing right now. I love the podcast that we do. I love the podcast I get to do, The Marketer's Journey. And I I love it in so many different ways. First of all, again, selfishly, every week, and I've, I've done hundreds of episodes now, so I've been doing this for quite some time, I get different perspectives to marketing. Just by connecting with a marketer, my episodes are all with CMOs and, and they're all thinking about and approaching their challenges in a different way. And that allows me to bring some of those ideas back to our team, just getting different perspective as we go. That's a big win in itself. The other thing that it allows us to do that is so important is build executive alignment. Some of our guests are customers of ours with CMOs that we had never connected with before we had them on the podcast. Some end up being customers of ours just naturally, even though there's not a formal pitch that comes with them coming on. So I think a podcast is such a great business development opportunity that even I sometimes say this, even though I know a ton of people fortunately listen to my podcast because there's so much value that's shared by these guests. But sometimes I say, if no one listened to this, there's so much value just in the recording experience. And I believe that to be on both sides, the opportunity for that guest to talk through ideas, us to hear them. It's such an important part for me of how I get our customer's voice. Daniel Incandela, CMO at ReachDesk. Absolutely. I'll talk about it in three buckets. One is like, how do we spend money? Second, not surprisingly, is gifting. And then third is is inbound. All modern marketers are focused on account-based marketing in some way or tiering of accounts that they focus on. We're no different, and we rely heavily on data, our ICP, TAM, and then key verticals that we're looking at. And so whether it's PPC, display ads, content syndication, whatever it is you want to lump into that bucket, That is critical to us because one, it ties back to ABM. Two, it can drive to specific landing pages or get a demo, which is big for us. It's the traditional approach to B2B. But I'd say more importantly for us as an emerging company, a company that was formed in England and now is um, seeing more and more traction in the US, it also helps on the brand awareness and brand sentiment side of things. 
And so for me, that is something we can't touch. One is going to contribute a lot of pipeline. But secondly, it's my responsibility to drive this company forward, especially on the brand side. Second one, gifting, which a lot of people refer to as direct mail. ReachDesk is my fourth CMO role. And in each of my previous roles, direct mail as a channel has been the highest performing and highest ROI channel. And so for me, that is untouchable, especially now working for a gifting company. It's how we do business. And our company vision is that every business is loved by the customer's employee and the planet. And so a part of this is how do we treat people? And two of our great values that I love for this company are deliver happiness and treat people like people. So gifting in itself ties back to the DNA of this company, our company values, our vision, how we treat one another, but more importantly, how we treat our customers. Not to mention, it is that nice little touch, what we say, deliver moments that matter, where you can help build a stronger connection to a human being. And ultimately, B2B is about connecting with humans. And so it works. It works on the prospecting side. It works on the customer side when it comes to renewals, because ultimately we want people associated with us to feel special and gifting does that. Last one I'll touch on is inbound and inbound. I describe as anything coming into the website and my approach since the beginning, especially because I had a background in digital is that the company's website should be treated by marketing as its own product. And so if we're not testing, optimizing every part of the website, we're really doing a disservice to the company to reach desk. And so anything we can do to ensure that we're driving more and more traffic and, and demand through our key landing pages or, or CTAs is what we're going to do. And ultimately inbound like that is going to be a very low cost exercise for us. It's essentially strategy and human beings tied to content. Maura McCormick Rivera. CMO at Qualified. This is my favorite question of every episode. And I love when Uncuttables drops. My Uncuttables, number one, it's the website. We spend a huge, huge majority of our time as a marketing organization working on the site. How can we have a really compelling B2B site? How can we make sure that we're always innovating on the creative and the copywriting for our site? But most importantly, how is it optimized for conversion? How can we make sure that when a target buyer arrives at our front door, we're ready to greet them, we're ready to turn them into a real sales conversation and book our next meeting? So the website is king. If we didn't have our website, everything else would crumble. And then beyond the website, video and content are huge for us. Look at this podcast. This has been hey now. this wealth. Hey, now this has been like a wealth of content for us, which has been awesome. And every B2B company needs to be a content machine. Look at Salesforce and Salesforce Plus. Look at all of these incredible B2B companies. I look at Gong. I look at Outreach. And they are just distributing content all day, every day. My LinkedIn feed is blowing up with sizzle videos and guides and live shows and all the Salesforce studio stuff that they're doing is so, so good. So content is is king. We just rolled out something called Qualified Plus, and we're really doubling down on video this year. We started doing something that we call keynotes inspired by, I guess, a Dreamforce keynote meets an Apple product release. 
And those have been really cool for us because we will use a keynote as a way for us to get our message into market. And we've iterated on how we shoot them. We shoot them in this huge green screen studio. We were at John Madden's old studio in the East Bay last week shooting our our most recent keynote. And it helps us get our corporate narrative tight. We shoot these keynotes and we'll have different people from our company deliver different messages. We'll do product demonstrations. And from that keynote, we'll get like 15 different assets from it. So we have sizzle videos for social. We have videos for qualified plus. We have demos that we can share in sales cycles. And so video for me will never go away. And I think a lot of that is inspired by my time at Salesforce when I was on the video team. I just have this passion for creating really compelling video assets. We're going to keep doubling down on content because that is how you create awareness. That is how you get people interested in the problems that you're solving, the solution that you have. You need to do thought leadership content in all different mediums to get people hooked and really build that awareness. And then the last channel or thing I would never cut beyond website and content is LinkedIn. We're selling to sellers and marketers, and I need that channel to get my content in front of these people, to get them engaged. And LinkedIn has just blown up over the last few years. It's not the most fruitful channel in terms of pipeline generation, but I know it's incredibly successful for brand awareness with the target audience that we care about. And so I would never want to get rid of that channel. We'll use carousel for certain content. We'll use video ads for other things. We can get super specific on who we target. Maybe we want Salesforce executives to see certain announcements, but we want our target buyers to see others. And it's just a little binge worthy. But I look at LinkedIn a lot, just as much as I look at Instagram, because I like to see what my peers and what my former colleagues are up to. And it keeps me in the know about the world of B2B tech. I can't live without it. And I think our company couldn't live without it. Megan Eisenberg. CMO of Trip Actions. Uncuttable. It depends if it's enterprise versus commercial or self-serve. So if I think about the enterprise side, I'm thinking a lot about account-based marketing. What are those named accounts we're going after and what do we need to surround them? And that's flushing out the target, the ICP, the CFO, the controller, the finance procurement, and where do they go for information? So that's content syndication, that's direct mail, that's creating these interesting engagement events that they can network with their peers. We did a really amazing office hours during COVID. It started out weekly and and then went to bi-weekly and then now once a month. And we had over 75 CFOs joining. And we weren't talking about Trip Actions products. We were talking about what they need to do in the current environment. How are they budgeting with the unknown? How are they dealing with empty office spaces. And so we brought in topics and we brought in customers to speak and then a bunch of prospects joined and just shared ideas. And we we really developed a thought leadership and brand with CFOs in topics that they cared about. So then when they were looking at their RFP or going to bring on a travel solution or expense management, we were top of mind. We did a lot of things like that during COVID. We thought, okay, right now, a lot of people aren't thinking they need to buy travel solution but how can we be useful? And we built out a university with courses because we figured when travel managers came back, they would want to be the best at what they could do. And then we also created courses for finance and they could get certified and we brought real value to those courses. And as you took and gained knowledge, you also learned about us as a company 
And so we tried to add value that way. We created a community so people could go in real time and ask any questions they were having. And so we had content for finance, content for travel managers and procurement. And for our suppliers and partners, they were on there. So if you had a question, uh, airline questions or hotel questions, they were in there answering what were COVID rules. We created a bunch of information around COVID dashboards. So we were very specific in, in what where we spent our money. But the things that got sort of the the best type of response was still direct mail, very targeted. And we had to figure out where they were. They weren't in offices. Now people are back more in offices, but that sort of surprise and delight we did for our customers. We did a picnic basket, like get outside because we were all at home and we know sunshine is great for the vitamin D and soul and everything else. So we sent picnic baskets out and just encouraged people to, we called it project sunshine get some sun. We saw a great response. We did this. Well, I would say the worst thing we did and the best thing we did, we had created this program around alpacas and, and all packed and ready to go. Well, of course, nobody was traveling. So that got put on hold. But as we've come out now, we've sent these out now. And it's amazing the response we're getting with it. People love it. They're having fun with this gold alpaca on their desk, some fun travel stickers for their laptop. It's just sort of this fun human thing. And so I would be hesitant to get rid of direct mail because there's a lot of noise in all the channels online. And that's one thing that if it shows up at your home or out on your desk, that gives a response and emotion and you just don't throw it away. You're curious who sent it, what is it? So yeah, I think those are things you shouldn't get rid of. Jamie Geyer, CMO of Saros. Content, <laughs> of course, and not, just, and not just because we create content and help other people create content. But I've listened to many of your podcasts, and and I share a similar point of view with many of the CMOS that you've had on your on your podcast. And content is really important for how we expose our brand, how people can find our brand, engage with it and get them to take some call to action. And so content is really important because it feeds all of the channels that we use. And so it begins with that. It will never be cut. We have a whole team of people just dedicated to our content assets, whether it's for paid media or for landing pages, infographics, quizzes, any sort of of asset that we think is going to emotionally hook the buyer and get them interested in exploring more about Saros. Google Ads is probably one of our highest performing channels. In fact, nearly 60% of our demo requests that came in in Q1, for example, came in through Google Ads. Again, we recognize that it's not just one thing that gets somebody interested, but that is the last touch that gets somebody to fill out a demo request form. The other, and I find this really exciting, I know that you had Kevin Tate on here from Clearbit. We're one of their customers. And I'm really keenly interested in in intent data. So we use Clearbit to de-anonymize website traffic and then we retarget on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook. And that's showing to be extremely valuable and driving up high quality leads at a lower cost than other ways that we do lead generation. I think the other, and this seems so old school to even talk about, but email marketing, good old email marketing, 
And so we made some investments there and doing some nurture campaigns and our email strategy is working. We have really, really high open rates and click rates. We're just very intentional about how we use it. Again, we have a multi-channel approach. But I would say those are largely the uncuttable budget items. I would say though, Ian, too, that events, events work for us. And so we have a whole event strategy. We're actually going back in person. We have our first event coming up at the beginning of May. Super excited about that. But those are the high touch ways to have that face-to-face time with your buyers. Daniel Rodriguez, CMO of Simpler. What has been really wild here is that over the course of this pandemic, this logic for me has even been put to test, right? I mean, which is doing stuff in person. In the in the enterprise software space that I've been in now, there are trade shows and there are in-person events and there are dinners that people will have and there's learning opportunities and all of that stuff is important. And the way that new technology emerges is because people hear about it, they see about it, and people talk about it. And to the extent that we are being part of that voice and that we are also facilitating some of those interactions is critically important. So definitely things related to events broadly, not just attending trade shows, but having events, sponsored events, owned events, co-marketed events, customer events, prospect dinners, right? All Like all of that stuff, which was all turned completely off for, I've been at Simpler now for two years, for almost the entirety of that two years. And then so it was a question of, well, what do we do with some of that budget we previously had and how do we plan for some of that? And there, there's a whole separate conversation to just have about some of those contingencies. But I will say that's definitely one. Just from a planning perspective, we're going to be able to expect that we can do events in person so that we can go to them. And it's going to be a combination of trade shows that we're going to attend and then thought leadership style dinners that we are going to be hosting that will be prospects and existing customers with some original content that we'll be that we'll be sharing you know this is the whole rubbing elbows strategy right like we just really want to get our prospects to just hear directly from our customers how much of a relief it is basically to have us working with them because it allows them to focus on the things that are going to be much further looking for them and allow them to really advance their own careers and win some awards and stuff like that. We want to get out of the way in those situations. We just need to facilitate. Anna Kostrin, CMO of New Rocket. Uncuttable. Well, I have worked at a very, very large company and then kind of a medium-sized company and a very small company. And I never, ever get upset when the CFO comes to me and says, oh, we got to cut your budget. There are so many things and so many pivots that we can make to do great marketing, no matter what the budget is. The first one I said was absolutely connecting. And it's putting our prospects and customers into the shoes of the people that are really experiencing these solutions. And it's telling the stories in a really, really amazing way that helps get that connection. Um, this answer would have been different six months ago or a year ago, but now that people are finally starting to get back together right now, the one uncuttable thing in my budget is events. I want to get out there. I want to see people face to face and shake their hand. We're getting ready to, to be a a sponsor of ServiceNow's flagship events called knowledge. Those are coming up in the next few weeks. And I think all of us are so excited 
the very best marketing tool we have is our people, our employees. And if I have done my job and done it well, then all of our employees, now we have over 500, can articulate the story of New Rocket and why it matters and articulate this experience story as it relates to our clients and their, their clients and employees. If we are successful in connecting with people like that, especially in person, those words, that communication is, is the very best marketing we can do. Having our people talk about us in person and on social, mostly in person right now. So yes, not cutting the event spend right now, absolutely critical. The other thing I think is an uncuttable part is having a great web presence, especially during the last couple of years. And you know, even beyond that, this is where people go. People aren't looking for web pages that are talking about this is how great we are. This is how this is what we do. They're looking for things that make them feel a certain way. And if we can have our own clients talking about us on our website, wonderful. Great case studies, great examples of where we have helped our customers. So the website is really important. And then driving traffic to that site through content syndication or through various outreach. I, I love to use all of our executive leadership team and our practice leads, all of our smart people within our company for thought leadership. Again, we hire people because of their brains. We want them speaking and writing and talking about the things they're passionate about because that's what gets people in, just connected and wanting to talk to your company. Measuring ROI is something that is absolutely necessary. And when you talk about uncuttable budget items, if you don't have an answer for how are you going to measure the success of this event or this tactic or this campaign, you're in trouble. Now I go into everything with here's how, first slide, here's how we're going to measure success on this particular program. And then it gives me a great framework for coming back and reporting results after the fact. Micah Hirschman, VP of Marketing at Envoy. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward for me when we think about the funnel. And I'll be the first to admit, I think about a traditional funnel. I know there are helix eights and cycles and circles. But for me, top to bottom of the funnel, it's paid. How are we driving exposure to either direct response, people starting a free trial, or exposure to our content, maybe in the enterprise world? The next one is SEO and content. SEO and content for us has a radically lower payback period in terms of weeks, whereas a paid program can be in terms of years. And SEO content has a much higher customer count, almost 2x our paid programs. Fraction of the cost, double the volume of customers. So those two are at the top of the funnel and they do a number of things, right? They serve multiple purposes. They build your brand. They drive direct response or free trials, kind of building your database. They capture net new leads. So again, we can put in our database and market to these folks. They help crowd out competition. They help keep you top of mind. When you're a lower price product. We don't, Envoy doesn't cost, you know, Marketo or Salesforce kind of numbers. So you want to be top of mind when somebody's considering a product like Envoy, you want to be top of mind. So paid and SEO are, are key. So you've got these people in your free trial program or in your Marketo database. How do you engage them? How do you nurture them? How do you expose them to your content? How do you build confidence in your products, in your thought leadership across the market? And then how do you score them and deliver them? to your BDR team. The ManGen Visionaries is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.